0: I'm going to show you 10 of the most common grammar and writing mistakes that authors make and how you can avoid them and fix them. So before we dive into the grammar mistakes that you need to avoid, I'll preface by saying this. There are times when breaking the rules is okay. In fact, there are tons of great books, including bestsellers, that break grammatical rules left and right. How can they get away with it? because readers don't care, as long as it's intentional and it works. In fact, there are plenty of good reasons to ignore grammar rules, to be more conversational, to reduce the cognitive load of the reader, to be true to your own voice, to entertain the reader, to tell a good story. But the best reason of all to ignore grammar is this one, to get out of your own way so you can finish writing your first draft. Don't worry about grammar when you're writing your manuscript. Leave that problem for the editing phase. Now, once your first draft is finished and you start editing your own work, you'll want it to be as clean as possible before you send it to your editor. But that doesn't mean all the grammar needs to be correct. You just wanna fix the common mistakes that will make you look unprofessional. Now, here's the good news. There aren't many grammar errors you should bother to fix before sending your work to an editor. I say this for two reasons. First, an editor doesn't expect your work to be perfect. If it was, they wouldn't have a job. And second, for almost every kind of grammar mistake, I could show you a best-selling book that uses it on purpose. So if you're poring over English grammar books that extol the virtues of the semicolon and they wail about the death of the English language, throw them out right now You're no longer in AP English in high school. So instead, just follow this list of the most common grammatical errors so you know how to fix them. If you get these right and then send the manuscript to your editor to do the rest, you'll be in good shape. So here's the list of the most common grammar and writing mistakes to avoid. Number one, there versus there versus there. Here's why it's not okay to break this rule because it's not really about grammar. It's about spelling and using the wrong word. If you confuse these three words with each other, you might as well be using the word bed instead of the word bad. They have completely different meanings and spellings. So the next common mistake is your versus your. Now this one's really similar. It's the one with the apostrophe is a contraction. Your is short for you are. If you can substitute the two words and the sentence still makes sense, you want your. The next mistake, principle versus principle. This is the last example of words that sound the same but mean different things. There are plenty of other words in the English language that suffer this kind of confusion, but if you get those first five right, you'll look reasonably professional to an editor. The next mistake is using apostrophes. So apostrophes are used in contractions where you squash two words together. For instance, you're right, you are. It's true, it is. Apostrophes are not used to make things plural. That's one of the most common grammatical mistakes people make with apostrophes, so don't do that. The next mistake is hyphens versus m dashes. Now hyphens are used in hyphenated words, obviously. The detailed rules about hyphens vary from one manual to the next, and most of them really just aren't worth the effort. But there are a few basics that are worth paying attention to. You don't need to use anything if you have an ly, a lee adverb, and an adjective together. For instance, an unusually strong wind blew from the north. It's not unusually strong with a hyphen. Her perfectly aimed shot split the arrow in two. It's not perfectly hyphen aimed. You do wanna use a hyphen for adjectives that are two words together before a noun. A well-read student has read a lot of books. A high stakes poker game has high stakes. And if you're not sure about a certain instance, Don't worry about it, just let your editor decide. You use the longer em dash for breaks in a sentence with no spaces. It was the first time I ever flew, the first time I experienced that freedom. Next example, missing commas that change the meaning. The Chicago Manual of Style is getting a lot looser about commas these days, but you still have to pay attention to them when they have the power to change the meaning of a sentence. So use a comma when addressing someone directly. So for instance, friends, don't ever do that. Versus, Friends don't ever do that. In the first one, you're talking to the reader. You're addressing them as friends, telling them not to do something. Whereas in the second, you're making a statement about friendship. The comma isn't just a pause. It's a clue to the reader that changes the entire sentence structure. You'll wanna use commas to separate items in lists. So for instance, I love cooking my spouse and my kids versus I love cooking my spouse and my kids. In the first one, the author loves cooking their spouse and their kids. They're crazy. In the second, the author loves cooking as an activity, but they also love their spouse and their kids. So if you've ever heard grammar lovers argue about the Oxford comma, it has to do with commas in lists. And it's the perfect example of the fact that the rules are made up. The Oxford Guide to British English insists on using a comma before the end and at the end of a list of things. So for instance, I love cooking, my spouse and my kids. While the Chicago Manual of American English used to agree, but eventually they rebelled and they said, hey, if you don't wanna use that last comma, you don't have to. So you could say, I love cooking, my spouse and my kids. In that example, there's really not much difference, but in some lists, leaving that last comma out can make things less clear. So in the end, here's the best rule to follow. Do whatever will make the most sense for your readers. The next mistake is using quotation marks. So use quotation marks to indicate that someone is speaking or when directly quoting someone or something. For instance, Hector, she asked, Have you seen my glasses? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times by Charles Dickens. You can also use them to indicate sarcasm or tongue in cheek descriptions. Our first security system consisted of a tiny bell over the shop door and a teacup chihuahua named Spike. And the final mistake, active voice versus passive voice. Now this one isn't technically a grammar issue. It's just a key tip for good writing. Be direct. Be active and use simple words. So here's an example. The factory was purchased by our team in the summer of 2007. By the following winter, it was ready for us to start up the lines. We purchased the factory in the summer of 2007. By the following winter, we were ready to start up the lines. We bought the factory in July 2007. By December, we were cranking out our first product. So the first example uses passive voice. The factory was bought by us, instead of just saying we bought the factory. We see this kind of writing a lot when authors are trying to sound smart. Don't do that. It's not something you have to worry about. Readers assume that you are smart because you wrote a book. Don't make them work harder to read it. The second example moves to active voice. It's better, but it's still using words like purchased and phrases like the following winter. The third example is by far the easiest to read. It also has more personality despite using smaller words and it's much more engaging. So again, don't spend a ton of time worrying about independent clauses, dangling modifiers and coordinating conjunctions. That's what editing and proofreading are for. The more important thing to focus on is crisp, clear and direct writing. That's what really matters. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you found this episode valuable, then definitely check out our free online workshops at scribebookschool.com. During the workshop, we'll teach you our exact step-by-step process for how to write, publish, and market your book. It's totally free and you can watch it right from the comfort of your home. Again, you can sign up at scribebookschool.com. And beyond that, you can support the podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay tuned because we have a lot of good stuff coming on Scribe Book School.